On Yamhat's moot, Israel is going to party, but many IDF combat soldiers find themselves away from home protecting our beloved nation on Independence Day. Help the International Young Israel Movement and Arut Sheva's Israel National Radio provide barbecues for these devoted souls and make their 62nd Independence Day a day to remember. Send your donations to www.iyim.org.il. That's www.iyim.org.il. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. Thanks for being with us here on the Noahide Nation Show. It's great to, to have you here for another hour. And we do have a really great show here. And I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Prescott Johnson, so we can give you some insights on, on this week's show. Prescott, come on in here. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Ray. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm I'm kind of excited about the show that we've got online for the folks, and I'm going to just continue talking about it and let them, you know, kind of get all anxious and anxious and anxious, so when it happens, <laughs> they'll be able to just explode about it. I, I really do think we have a, a great show. It has a lot to do with mankind. It has a lot to do with the, the world as a whole. It has a great deal to do with the Gentiles, and I think it's just something that uh, we probably should have done a long time ago, and we haven't, but Baruch Hashem, we're going to be able to do it this week, and I am so grateful. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be a great show. I know when I found out that we were doing this uh, today, uh, I was like, oh, well, I had all of this stuff that I wanted to go listen to all the previous shows and have all these questions, and then I could just ask the questions and have, have answers from a rabbi. Not just any rabbi, but oh yeah, is that wetting their appetite enough? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's getting close. Well, and and while we've got uh, uh, the folks with us, there may be a number of new people listening to the show. And why don't you go ahead and review for them real quickly what the seven Noahide laws are? Yes, the seven uh, Noahide laws consist of a prohibition against idolatry, a prohibition against murder. A prohibition against sexual immorality, a uh, prohibition against theft, a prohibition against blasphemy, and we are required to establish courts of justice. And the last of the laws that were added, that were given to Noah, is the prohibition against eating the limb from a living animal and all that that entails. Absolutely, and they do entail a lot. Uh, it it could potentially take many lifetimes to truly study and understand the depths of each one of these. So even though it may not sound like much, and just saying seven laws, they actually mm. expand into 66 and ultimately thousands. There, it's, it's category, seven categories, which yields 66 more subcategories, which literally yields uh, many, many more. So it's a great deal of study that goes that needs to go into this to fully understand it. And then, of course, the main thing is to actually live it. 
And today, right. my friends, we have a just a, a, a wonderful guest. I have been fortunate enough and have, have been honored to uh, meet with him personally, and uh, it is indeed an honor to have him on our show today. Tell you a little bit about him. He holds a Master's of Science uh, degree in theoretical physics from the Hebrew uh, University and is actually a licensed patent attorney, and he has actually uh, did that for 25 years. Uh, which is kind of amazing in and of itself, given the fact that he is a rabbi and been a rabbi for, for quite some time. And uh, he has taught at a number of uh, places, including, uh, and Rabbi, you'll have to correct me if I mispronounce these, but it's Haled Educational Experiences and taught in uh, Reconati School of Economics at Tel Aviv University. And he actually right. did uh, Aliyah to Israel back in uh, uh, 1948. Of course, uh, my parents brought me, of course, at the age of uh, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> my parents okay, came on Aliyah and, and, uh, to Israel in 1948 while the war was still on. Uh, our home was actually the the shelter of the uh, whole building. And when we had the air raids, everybody from the building would come to live it to, to us in, uh, in our dining room, and we would have some time, sometimes a few hours of an air raid, and it was very, it was a, it was a social experience, really. Well, in, in any event, you made your way back to Israel. <laughs> Probably the most important thing for our folks today is the role that you play today for the Jewish people, for the, the world, and, and for the, the Gentile people, and that is that you currently serve on the court of B'nai Noach in Jerusalem within the body of the Nasset Sanhedrin, and you do this uh, serving along with uh, Rav Schwartz and also Rabbi Dov Abraham Ben Shor. And uh, ladies and yes. gentlemen, let me please introduce our guest today. It's Rabbi Yeshayahu Hakohen Hollander. Rabbi, welcome to the show. How are you? Good evening. This is it. Now is here uh, uh, after Shabbat. I wish you all a, a very good and edifying and successful week. Um, I'm fine, thank you, and we're all fine here. Sometimes a little bit worried about the political situation and about the spiritual situation. Uh, what we do in the in the uh, court for Pnei Noach is uh, we don't really educate. This is very difficult to do at a distance. What we try to do is is teach and uh, respond to uh, issues which are, which are brought before us, mainly for guidance and sometimes also get involved in 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 we try to support all and all hides in any way possible. Uh, I was a guest at the. Uh, the convention Ray had uh, in 2008, and I hope I was helpful when I was there. Uh, it was for me a very great experience. Uh, it was an intellectual experience and a spiritual experience and an emotional experience. I think it's one of the one, one of the highlights of my recent years. But uh, so that's what we do. We try we try to respond. And to a certain extent, even to initiate interest in the, uh, the content of the seven uh, laws, because seven laws are, are another word for saying what God really expects from the nations, you know, the, the, from the Jews. There are a lot of expectations. There are 613 commandments, which when we um, uh, enumerate them in detail, it comes to the Shulchan Aruch, and it's a huge, uh, huge body of requirements. And uh, for the nations, uh, 
there are only seven headers, which as Ray said, amount to uh, 66 detailed commandments, uh, which are mentioned in the Torah. And uh, there's another one which is implied and is enumerated by Rab Nisim Gaon, is everything that makes sense. Everything that is rational, rational behavior is one of the requirements, according to Rav Nisim Gaon. And the difficulty with that definition is that, to a large extent, that is culture, uh, culture uh, um, affected by the various cultures. And, and uh, the Islam would have uh, something which seemed to make a lot of sense and be very rational and may seem entirely strange to people coming from uh, China. So within uh, there is room for uh, individual flavor or community flavor in in the understanding of the of the uh, seven uh, seven commandments, uh, especially in the commandment of having an organized social order. Uh, what is the mandate in the social order? There is a dispute among among the uh, Jewish sages that going back about a thousand years. But uh, uh, after studying this issue, we have come to accept the definition that the laws have to be similar, have to be laws that make sense to the culture in which they're meant to be applied. For instance, um, in Igrot Moshe, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein says that the courts of the United States suit the, meet the requirements of, of having social order according to the, one, the, the, the commandment and the seven commandments of having a social order. And, uh, but of course, these laws would not, would probably not be suitable in China or in, or in uh, Iraq. So uh, the, the social order is something which is cultural, culture uh, determined. The other six commandments are not really uh, culture determined. And so we have, well, idolatry. Uh, it calls to be question, what is the uh, concept of idolatry? Um, uh, for instance, there is a certain there is a debate within the within the uh, interpreters of Hinduism whether it is idolatry or whether it isn't idolatry. A, a lot of us think that it is idolatry that people uh, and I think it would have to depend actually on a on a on a survey what people really think they're doing when they bring these presents and put them in front of these uh, uh, well are they just statues or are they idols? That seems to be the question. In the United States, this is not really a problem. So let's not get involved with uh, with Hinduism. Let's try to get back to the society in which you live. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I was born in the United States, and I learned in the United States until I was 11. And we had a, I was in a very good school. It was called the Yeshiva Flatbush. And when uh, in the fifth grade, we did some uh, state exams, which were meant for the end of elementary school, and we came out very high up. It was a good class and it was a good school and we were very successful in, in our English and in our uh, arithmetic and uh, in geography and in spelling. I think these were the tests that we took at the time. So uh, I'm more or less conversant with the with, with some of the basics of, of American culture and of course being in contact now for the last few years with the Nohides in the States with Ray going back I think to 2006 
So this is already our, our fourth year of, of uh, being in, in contact with one another and learning from one another. I have taken upon myself to represent the Noahide people that we're in contact with to the, the Jerusalem court for, for B'nai Noah and in the Sanhedrin and uh, vice versa, you know. That's to be the, the person who, who communicates both ways. Well, let me, let me just clear something uh, up for you, Rabbi, because I may or may not have mentioned this at the conference, but indeed at the World Conference, your contributions were invaluable. I mean, yeah. you just contributed so much. It was absolutely remarkable. But the thing that, that I appreciated so much and that so many of the Noahides appreciated uh, who let me know about it later on was your name kept coming up as one of the rabbis who sat and talked to virtually everybody who attended the conference at least one time. And you cannot, <laughs> really? um, you cannot imagine. I wasn't aware of that. Okay. You, you you cannot imagine what that did for people, what that did for their souls, what it did for their very beings to have a, a rabbi of your stature, of, of your wisdom, and of your knowledge to just sit and talk with them. They found absolutely amazing. So even beyond the the teachings that you gave, just your presence had a, a huge, huge impact. On and the Noahides that were in, in attendance at the conference. So I thank you for that uh, once again, because uh, without you, uh, it, it wouldn't have been what it wound up being. So I thank you for that. It was a great experience for me, too. And I think that the, it, one of the contributions I made was having the declaration. That was a real highlight. That was the, the top of the top. Well, and that, that declaration of I think it was uh, about seventy people. I think there was, and see, that was another one of those things that you took the initiative to do because it wasn't actually part of the program. It wasn't part of the program. Yeah, even I, though you and I, I think we touched on it and maybe chatted about it a little bit, but it wasn't included in the program. And then, lo and behold, right. you had this uh, on your heart to to do this, and you set the whole yes. thing up, and even did something thing that uh, it was really amazing to me is you contacted other members of the Sanhedrin to see if you could get approval or not as to uh, have people take the declaration on the phone because they were not yes. able to make it ah. to the conference. And yes. I just, you know, that was just and such a remarkable thing. And we also had a declaration, uh, an Ohio declaration from some place at the uh, in Saskatchewan about an, about a few hours' drive from the nearest airport. Uh, so we had that done on Skype already. Wow. Yeah, because uh, now I'm from okay. Canada, so I actually know where Saskatchewan is. Do you, Ray? <laughs> I know it's in that, that big <laughs> plot of land that's just north of us. <laughs> school where Saskatchewan is. Well, I understand what the word means, but it's a pledge. <laughs> well, I wanted to. You mentioned the the pledge, and you know that's a, a great lead into you know, one of the questions that I wanted to uh, have you uh, discuss uh, for our listeners, and that's uh, that you know over the years there's been you know much discussion about the Noahide pledge or the or the oath, and whether or not Gentiles are, are required to take such a pledge or not. You know, we did ours at the World Conference, and it was because everybody wanted to. It wasn't a mandate or anything. But can you share with us, uh, with our audience, uh, tell us about the Noahide Pledge and the significance of it for us as Noahides and our relationship with Hashem? 
Yes, I can. I can say that this is uh, the pledge that we uh, we use is a pledge that is based on the, on on Maimonides. Uh, he is the most stringent of uh, of uh, deciphers who has written about this, and uh, and the pledge is according to his his concept, uh, according to his instructions. Oh. Just a minute. I can't get the Rambam on the, on the line. I'll have to, uh, <laughs> have to uh, say it from memory. Uh, it is important. It is important. Uh, actually, the minimum would be just to accept the seven, the seven commandments. However, this is not going. Rambam says we need first. You need a declaration. A person who is leaving his religion and wants to uh, become proper Noahide will make. Will it be required to make a. Declaration in front of uh, three chaverim, uh, three, uh, three at least knowledgeable Jews. Whether the rabbis are not, this is not clear. He didn't use the term uh, rabbi, and uh, the idea is to accept the seven commandments as defined by uh, the tradition which we have, starting from from Noah going through Moses. Uh, through the uh, Jewish tradition coming down till our days, and uh, uh, we we people in the court for uh, for Bnei Noach some court have studied this and tried to give it uh, to express it in terms which are which are understood. It's not very complicated. You if you accept it just because uh, these were commanded by God to. Uh, six of them actually to Adam because at that time they didn't yet eat meat and the seventh one which is not not to eat a, a part of a live animal and have the animal slaughtered properly not necessarily killed in any case before you take meat from it this is a, a sort of it's used as a humanitarian okay uh, for the animal or perhaps more for the human being on the other side that uh, you shouldn't be such in such a rush to take meat from a live animal and you can wait a few minutes for the animal to die and not suffer from the from our traditional way of slaughtering and the Muslims do it also um, the knife is so sharp that the animal doesn't feel it and he dies without even knowing what happened to him but um, uh, so that um, that's the seventh the seventh floor there's some problem with that in some in some areas of the world including some parts of the uh, United States when when some parts of the of animals are general are removed for for the sake of uh, uh, of the the animal is kept alive and is you uh, is used it could be a, a bull which is castrated and uh, you want to use him as a as a uh, for well in the states I don't you want him to grow better in a different way than he would if he was not left naturally so and some people eat these testicles after so this is this would be against that seventh floor but generally in most places in the United States and in Canada uh, there's no problem with the seven laws in in, uh, in no intentional problem of taking that there may be a problem we discussed that with with um, one of the friends at the at the conference and we Work worked on that a bit to see uh, to see whether there's any real problem there or not. So we've we've been trying to be in contact and and to make it easier for people to know what their duties are. And one of the things that we worked on, for instance, with uh, is the sidur which you mentioned before, which actually is 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 much more simple than than uh, the Sidurim which have been published Rabbi Schwartz wrote a, I think it was a four page 
uh, Sidur in Hebrew, which I suppose in English would be about six pages because Hebrew is much more concise than English is. And, and so that would, that which would cover all that is really, gives an opportunity for a person to express himself, minimal uh, expression. And then, of course, it's open to everybody to express themselves more. I mean, one can read the Psalms. That's 150 prayers, if you like. And there are a lot of others. For instance, when it is on Thanksgiving, I think, uh, Rabbi Riskin here in Israel, he sings some of the songs that were sung when he was, that he learned, I believe, if I remember correctly, he told me that these were songs from the 17th century. So these oh. are all prayers, and any well, actually a prayer in our con- concept is a prayer, is, a, is talking with God. When you do that, that's a kind of a prayer. Mm-hmm. Whether you're asking for something in particular or not, is not it, uh, that's not germane to the concept of prayer. It could be, but it's not necessary. You can just praise God or just tell him about what's on your mind and on your heart and your soul. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be asking for anything, and you're just talking to God. So, in essence, in, in taking the pledge, you're not only recognizing and accepting the seven Noahide laws, you're also renouncing your old religious beliefs. Not necessarily. Depends what they were. For instance, if you, had, you, were, not, you were an idolater, of course, and you're renouncing your previous beliefs. But uh, the seven, these seven laws are part of Islam. In, in Islam, they're recognized. So you wouldn't have to stop being a Muslim and to to become a uh, okay. I think I missed the point there. If by make, according to my mind, is if you make the declaration, it gives you a part in the world to come, which otherwise one wouldn't have. And uh, so that would depend. Now they say the Muslims who don't make the declaration, according to Rambam, would not have a part in the world to come, and people who have will have a part in the world to come. Right. And you were also mentioning about prayer, which is, is very, very important uh, in, in having a relationship with Hashem. And you just recently sent me a, a prayer, which I gravitated to right away because the title of the prayer is Prayer for Rationality. <laughs> and and this is a a, yes. a a fabulous title because I can identify with this absolutely as as the listeners know I'm, I'm sure you know Prescott knows anyone who knows me knows that I'm a rational guy and that's the way we need to live our lives is in you know with common sense and this is something that is just you know a, a wonderful thing I'm going to go ahead and be posting that on the Noahide Nations uh, website so anyone who wants to uh, download this and and, and make a copy of this prayer for rationality. It is a wonderful prayer, and I, I think you really need to have it, so I'm going to make it available, and you can just go ahead and print it right off the, the website. So I, I thank you for that. Uh, it's uh, a prayer for rationality in relations between Iran and Israel. It's not, I mean, I would I would write a general prayer for rationality, surely. <laughs> uh, in, in, in all relationships, well, it, rationality doesn't sum up the total... Um, the total relationship that we want between people, it's more than rationality, but it, with respect, it was written with respect on, on, it was written on um, Wednesday night uh, before a, uh, a TV, TV and uh, satellite internet uh, uh, interview, and uh, 
that, and it was meant to be read because the issue to be discussed was was the relationships, the, the threats of Iran to the state of Israel. Right. Okay. That's well, what I wrote. Hold that thought, Rabbi. We are bumping up against the bottom of the hour, and we definitely need to take a okay. break here for a minute. So, folks, please stick with us. We're talking with Rabbi Hollander, and we'll be back right after the break. Every Tuesday on Israel National Radio, the Temple Institute's Temple Talk with Yitzhak Ruvain and Rabbi Chaim Richman. It's about Jews. It's about Parsha Tashavuah. It's about non-Jews. It's about the world. It's about our relationship to the Divine Presence. It's about the Holy Temple. It's about the rectification of all humanity. 3 p.m. Israel time. 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Temple time. Talk. It's everything you need to know about the Holy Temple and the Temple Mount. Every Tuesday on Israel National Radio. When you hear talk of superpowers, which countries come to mind? The US or China or perhaps Russia? But isn't the greatest superpower the Internet? It has totally changed our world and is still doing so every day. It allows you to meet and hear from people in Israel and many corners of the globe which you would otherwise never have met. Every Sunday, Walter's World is proud to be part of this great revolution and to bring Israel and the Jewish world into your home on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. We definitely appreciate you sticking around for the second half of our show today. We've got a very interesting guest, and uh, we're going to bring him right back in here. Now, Rabbi Hollander, we've been talking with you, and folks, I know you're getting a lot out of this, and we hope you get a lot more out of this second uh, uh, half hour. I'm very curious (laughs) about this letter uh, that you had sent out to the nations. I don't mean you personally, but I mean the on, yes. on behalf of the Sanhedrin that went out to the to the nations that it's actually an obligation for non-Jews to pray at the Temple Mount. This was stunning for me, as I'm sure it is for many of our listeners. Can you elaborate on on that for us? I wouldn't say. Uh, I, uh, do you hear me? Yes, we. I don't hear. I don't hear. Yes, yeah, you hear me? we can okay. hear you fine. Uh, as an ob- obligation, I, I don't think this is an obligation. I don't see the text you're referring to. I think that it, that, that uh, it's uh, in Isaiah. It says, uh, "The place of the temple is a place which is to be a place of worship of all the nations." Uh, there is no required uh, halachic requirement that you have to you have seven um, commandments and the commandments do not mean that you have to take it. Well, none of them is to take a plane to Israel and to come. Of course, this is this is probably one of the most uplifting things that people have said. They have, people have come to 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 Israel and uh, and uh, they find this uh, a a wonderful uh, experience, both uh, spiritually, emotionally. And very stimulating also, also intellectually, it brings you in direct contact with a place where, uh, of the Bible, the land of the Bible, mm-hmm. most of it. I mean, of course, Egypt is also mentioned in the Bible and some other places are also, but the main place where God is in, was in contact, recorded contact with people for over uh, many, many generations mm-hmm. is, the land of, is the land of Israel with the people of Israel. This is the, uh, well, okay, okay. Uh, as a local patriot, I'll say it is 
the best place to be and to live. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it's not a requirement. It is seen in the prophets as a place where people will come. You know, well, as the flights get cheaper, more and more people can come. When I, when I came to Israel, it, was, it cost about $1,000, which meant that something like at, uh, it cost about a year's salary for some people, right. I think. And today, I think it's a week's salary for many people. So uh, more people can come. And uh, the logistics are quite different, and uh, people can afford it, and some people come more than once or twice, but it's not a requirement. It is perhaps, the, I would say, it's a recommendation. Okay. Well, if you want to have this kind of... Uh, to I was going to say, I, I may have misread the text, and I'll have to go back and review that again. I'm not sure what the text again. is. I don't have it before me. But if it, is, if it has been written as a requirement, I'll, I, if you send me the link, Ray, when you find it and send it to me, I'll have it changed to as a recommendation. Okay. That, uh, and it's not that you know, big a deal. I found it uh, interesting because I know that it's really not in the seven laws uh, about Gentiles having not. to appear at the uh, temple either. And yet, when the temple is rebuilt, uh, aren't we going to be required to make uh, an appearance three, three times a year? No, not required. Really? Okay. It's no requirement. Let me ask you this then. There was another very fascinating thing that I, I picked up on the Sanhedrin uh, website, which, by the way, folks, if you uh, do want to get there, Rabbi, can you give us the web address for Yes, very the, simple. Okay. Uh, www.thesanhedrin in one word, the Sanhedrin, T-H-E, Sanhedrin, S-A-N-H-E-D-R-I-N dot O-R-G. Okay, and you can go there and find out. There's only one, so it makes it easy, but anyway. <laughs> well, and folks, you can go there and you can learn what the Sanhedrin is doing for uh, both the Jewish people and Gentiles. And if you have any questions, please uh, send them to Ray or to me, and uh, we make a correction. Like if there's something there that's a requirement, which isn't a requirement, we'll fix it up right away. Okay, now one of the things that I found interesting... And anything that is unclear and you want uh, to be uh, explained, that's what we're here for. You have on the site, you have a place to send letters, uh, send emails to the Senate, and that's fine. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Rabbi, one of the things that you had on the, the, the website was the recent visit to Turkey in uh, December. Now, was that where you, did you take part mm -hmm. in those meetings with uh, uh, Mr. Adnan Akhtar? Yes, yes, you did? Yes, yes. Akhtar, Akhtar, yes. okay. Yes, well, yes. He's, uh, he's I just came back on, uh, we were, I was there Wednesday. Okay, great. Well, he's a, uh, a devout Muslim from what yes. I can, from what you, you're saying. And uh, I understand he had some excellent results. Can you share with us uh, what these results might have been given the Muslim and how, you know, there's a lot of folks in the world that really don't care for the Muslims right now because of all the terrorism. That, that's going on, oh. and and I yes, know that it's yes, not well, all well, Muslims. Okay. So maybe you can share with us how, how how your meetings went and what was accomplished. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, when we talk about Muslims, when anyone talks about Muslims, one has to know that while the great majority of Arabs are Muslims, the majority or the great majority of Muslims are not Arabs. Indonesia has a hundred million Muslims. Uh, Pakistan are uh, quite a lot of Muslims. I don't know how many, I think uh, less than 100 million, of course, but I think uh, something like 60 or 70 million Muslims. Uh, recently, I think it was a couple of weeks, the leading uh, religious authority in uh, Pakistan 
published a 600-page fatwa, which is a a uh, religious law, an opinion of religious law, denouncing terrorism. In the the uh, original meaning of the word Muslim, meant a person who accepts the uh, uh, what God demands of him. Uh, it has nothing to do with with uh, there are other interpretations of that term, but the the original interpretation is a person who accepts servitude to God. And uh, in that sense, uh, when the Muslims say that Abraham was a Muslim, they're absolutely correct, and so am I a Muslim. Everyone who accepts uh, uh, to serve God and to try to be uh, do that fully and uh, is in in that terminology is a Muslim. And uh, what actually happened is that uh, Mr. Akhtar sent uh, some people to Israel um, in November last year, and uh, they came to talk about about Darwinism uh, in in the in uh, two universities here in the Tel Aviv University and the Hebrew University because um, according to the ideas of Mr. Oktar and it can I can support them but they are his ideas I didn't invent them uh, but is leading the materialism in the world is the denial of God which can only be based on on, on a uh, on a process of developmenting of the world which doesn't include God and so his he says the, base, the first thing you have to do is to explain people that this uh, belief system uh, called uh, Darwinism or Neo-Darwinism or the theory of evolution, which is basically a, a, a belief system which uh, in, involves science, but it in itself has many gaps uh, which are uh, covered up by terminology which... Uh, 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 conceal the fact that there is no theory backing it up. Uh, the theory has, I'm not, I'm now talking not about the classic Darwinism which had the, uh, the gradual evolution of species which has been dropped by the scientists who believe in evolution. Now we have something which says that evolution, uh, proceeds by, uh, uh, by jumps and, uh, which are caused by cataclysmic events but of course they have no way of explaining uh, why these uh, cataclysmic events occur or why what happens from them is a development and not something else it could be just a way just uh, just go the other way instead of developing positively it could be just the end and, and no no new developments so there are a lot of problems with neo-darwinism also and he is uh, trying to explain this to people uh, to secular people people who don't believe in god and he came here they sent two people here for that purpose and they met with me and we found that there is enough interest in 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 islam for instance that uh, we discovered that these people understand that the seven commandments are an integral part of Islam as it is. Not we are not talking about the Arab or Arab influenced Islam. In 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 Islam, there are many uh, uh, many divisions there: the Sunni and the Shiite, the Shiite uh, group, 
and there is the the which fight among themselves and kill one another also. Uh, more Muslims have killed Muslim. More Muslims have been killed by Muslims than people of other faiths. But um, but there uh, classic Islam was uh, as it's written up in the in the middle towards the end of the Middle Ages, the 13th century, the 14th century, is what uh, Mr. Arafat and others say, it's a religion of peace. The fact is that uh, most, most politically in, interested uh, people who profess to the Muslim faith don't keep that part of the faith, which means peace. They keep other parts, perhaps. Uh, they pray yes, uh, five times a day, and they, when they pray, they face Mecca. Uh, there are all sorts of th- all sorts of things, and there's just one element um, uh, in, uh, in in the thing which is a little difficult to keep, and that is refraining from uh, killing people. Uh, difficult part of the for some people to keep that. For instance, they have a, uh, an issue of of the honor of the family, and if a woman does something which is against the honor of the family, for instance, she 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 goes uh, uh, goes to a movie with someone who is not uh, her father hasn't permitted to go, then she's likely to wind up dead the next day because she's done something against the honor of the family. This is of course something which we don't find uh, commensurate with religion at all, but. Uh, and uh, our saying is that, that that they don't follow the law against murder, and they say this is uh, uh, they find a way to live with this. Uh, but this is particularly Arab; it is not particularly Muslim. And so we relate. That we we found that Mr. that the Turks, you know, are not Arabs, and uh, they've been very careful to stress this. Uh, uh, all through the existence of the Ottoman Empire, that they are not Arabs, even though they ruled the Arab nations, but they were not Arabs, and they are, the Iranians also are not Arabs, and they were until until uh, the revolution under the uh, uh, which got rid of the Shah. They were very careful to stress that, and that was one of the reasons they kept in contact and positive relationship with Israel, because this was a way of demonstrating that they're not. They're not Arabs, right. and so we have a political we have a political uh, fight with the Arabs um, dispute, which is the government of the United States is trying to help Israel uh, solve this. I don't see there's much chance of them succeeding, but we hope that there will be a, a solution one way. For instance, the the uh, Turkish person we're in contact with, Mr. Rakar, has come to the conclusion on the basis of Islam that all the land from the Nile until the Euphrates is really part of the land of Israel and uh, 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 should not, the Arabs have no claim to this land. Uh, <laughs> this was interesting, this was interesting, first of all, he was not the first person to say this. Uh, the first person I heard say this was a person who converted from Islam to Judaism because when he told his father as a young man that he's joining the uh, terrorist organization, his father said to him, in a Lebanese person, his father said, you're a fool, you're going against God, God gave this land to the Jews, we have to cooperate with them, and hope that they let us continue to live here, but uh, so he changed his um, uh, chain, instead of uh, trying to be, uh, be join, instead of acting in the, within the terrorist organization, he tried to convert to Judaism because he wants to live in the land and it's the <laughs> land of the Jews. Okay. Now we have uh, there are other Muslims who say the same thing. We have this very important person in uh, a sheikh in in Italy, who is um, is in a sheikh Palazzi, and he is is writing up 
this uh, idea, and he will publish a, an academic paper, and a and a uh, uh, professor Sheikh Professor Palasi will publish and is writing a an academic paper on this, and will also write a a more popular version for uh, for general use. Uh, so this is, th- and these people we have no problem with at all. They they accept the seven commandments and they and they try to live by them. They are not they they, they don't go in for terrorism or or, or uh, murder within the family. And uh, they also believe that the, the land of Israel is meant for the, for Israel. So no problem. Interesting. We have no problem with them. On the contrary, what we're trying to do is is uh, get these people to help get their information, their ideas spread to Muslims who live in Europe and America so that they understood that they could actually learn from the Jews how to live in a, in a society which is not your society. You are not belong, you're not an integral part of that society in the same sense. Jews have lived in Christian countries and in Muslim countries for, for, for 2,000 years. And uh, in, in most cases, there were hardly any cases where we know of Jewish programs against the people they lived in. There were programs against the Jews, but they were not programs for Jews against Christians or against Muslims. <laughs> now we learn we, we know how to we know how to live that way, and it would be important <laughs> if the Muslims in the states and in, in Europe learned how to live at peace with a culture which is not basically theirs. And this was uh, expounded upon and explained uh, in the last uh, two decades. Or a little less by uh, by Chief Rabbi Sachs of England, who talks against multiculturalism and say and say it's the England is a Christian country and uh, can remain a Christian country as far as he's concerned. Uh, certainly, it is more important to have a, a dominant culture, which others have to agree with, and to have people fighting all all the time about what the proper culture is for that particular country. Uh, of course, uh, Rabbi Sachs also is not a Christian and does not think that it's his business to spread or, or teach Christianity. But it certainly, uh, he says, this is the nature of the state. And if, they, if the majority of the people there uh, change their ideas about the contents of Christianity, uh, that would be all right. But certainly it should not be imposed by Muslims or by Jews. Right, right. So, so it, now... If I'm understanding correctly, when and I'm sorry if I'm going back a little in your in in your uh, in your clarification there, they didn't come to Jerusalem to actually discuss Noahide law. They they came no, they for other not. reasons, no, no, no. and and this was kind no. of a byproduct of that right. meeting. And, yes, and and that's interesting because I know that um, I know that they must be facing uh, I guess a similar kind of uh, I don't know what's what's the best word. They must be facing a similar kind of problem as many other uh, people of faith are in terms of what science or what those who are uh, proponents of a kind of an atheistic ideology are trying to uh, you know are, are in influencing uh, young people in these uh, in these various faiths towards abandoning. The idea of God, and uh, yes. and and that, right. and that must be a concern on, on you know because I see that from uh, on this side of the pond, and having grown up in a Christian home myself, that this was a concern when kids would go off to college and would uh, start hearing all of these ideas which they never learned how to defend 
growing up and many of them basically left the faith and they they went uh, and uh, became non-religionists altogether yes. Yes. well well actually the 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 people who came here from uh, Mr. Oktar's uh, people came here because uh, they were uh, successful in 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 turning the tide in in, in Turkey. Uh, oh. Turkey was 20 years ago more secular than it is today. Today right. it is more religious, as we see in the politics of Turkey, of course. But the, this the politics came as a result of the change that happened within the Turkish community. Ataturk in the in the uh, first uh, in the second quarter of the century did, uh, fought very vigorously against religion in Turkey. Uh, even today, a woman cannot wear a hijab or a burqa at the university. If she does, she's expelled from the university. They don't accept the, the, the Turkey. The separation of government from religion is very strong, and it's only this present government which is which came into power as a result of educational efforts of Mr. Oktar and other groups. Uh, I think uh, Gulen also has uh, preceded Mr. Oktar in setting up uh, uh, religious schools uh, and and uh, bringing the Turkish people back to religion. Since he said, since he since they were successful in in Turkey, they try they think the time has come to export their uh, their success. Now, of course, what they did in Turkey was in the, uh, within the Turkish culture and the Turkish nation and there, uh, what what goes on there is not the same as what's going on in other places, and not identical. You have this, uh, but we have similar problems. In uh, in a recent survey about what's going on in the United States, I think they said 30 percent of the young people are what they call religiously mobile. In other words, they go to college and they they uh, uh, become exposed, or even before college, they become exposed to things which uh, tend to reduce their interest in religion or their belief. Um, the the uh, media in in uh, the Western world is uh, very, uh, to a large extent, the mainstream media in in in, uh, in uh, the United States is definitely actively promoting uh, disbelief in God. Right. Well, uh, Rabbi, and Rabbi, so, so this is quite a, quite an effort. Quite what have, one has quite a lot of of work to do in educating one's children. To 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 learn how to how to respond uh, to people and what to think, you have uh, is definitely necessary to teach in 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 school, even in even in even preschool and in school and in high school. Each uh, each uh, age level has to be taught and retaught um, what what we think is the right. Uh, the right understanding of this world and uh, the place of our place in the world and God's place in the world and that each stage will have to learn how to handle communication with people who not only believe differently or don't believe at all but people who are actually anxious to to uh, take the religion out of the people right. who believe yeah yeah this is definitely a, ma- a major a major issue. Rabbi, I'm going to have to interrupt you right there because we're coming real close to the end of the show. And uh, okay. I, of course, do want to thank you 
for being uh, on our show today. There's never enough time when we uh, talk with <laughs> rabbis like yourself. There's never is. I mean, I barely made a dent in my list of questions. So what I'm wondering, okay. though, just real quickly, uh, I know you're a very you know busy man, and possibly you'd be willing to come back on the show at you know later date to kind of keep our listeners up to date on things. Is, is that something that is doable for you? Okay, fine. I, I will, I will, with pleasure, I will try to do that. Okay? Excellent. Very good. Well, Rabbi, thank you again so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. And blessing to all of you. Okay. And folks, it was great to have you with us this week. We hope you learned a lot in this past hour. And we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, please, my friends, always keep your eyes to the heavens for your help from Hashem. Because I guarantee he's always looking out for you. Shavuot Have a great week. Shavuot Shalom. Hi, this is Jay Bernstein from Baltimore's Shalom USA Radio. I'm coming to you from the Israel studios of Israel National Radio. You can hear the news live from Israel, courtesy of Israel National Radio on Shalom USA, broadcasting in Baltimore every Sunday morning from 8.30 to 10 a.m. on AM 1370 and live on the web at www.fox1370.com. Kidashta, a community Judaica store in the heart of Moda'in. Kidashta, a classy yet moderately priced Judaica store in the center of Jerusalem. Kidashta, a full-service website that introduces quality products, books, silver, jewelry, and mezuzot. Kidashta, the personal touch, in the bell tower in downtown Jerusalem. And Kidashta, Moda'in in the Kaiser neighborhood. And of course, www.judaica4u, the numeral 4, the letter U.com.